so great to be here this morning. And uh, even though I have preached in this pulpit hundreds of times in this season of my life, I realize what a great privilege it is to be able to share the Word of God and, and how much I love you and love this church. And Linda and I are so excited about what God is doing at Restoration Church. Pastor Chuck and Candace are leading in a powerful way. Their leadership and ministry is being used by the Lord. And uh, we just see progress everywhere. Just everywhere we, we look, God is blessing and things are growing. And I know that you love your pastor. If you love him today, come on, if you really love Pastor Chuck, would you give him a big hand right now, him and Candace? God bless you guys. We love you. Well, today, as has been mentioned, is the last Sunday of 2019, and it's, uh, it's a profound feeling to come and think about the last Sunday of the year. In fact, it's, you could say it's the last Sunday of a decade as we, as we come here today because we're looking into 2020, and how would you personally describe this year for yourself I mean, if you look back, usually we take some time and look back on the year. Was it an interesting year? Was it a challenging year? Was it uh, a productive year? Maybe it was a disappointing year for you. Or would you say, oh, it was an awesome year for me? Or would you say, Pastor, it was really a difficult year for me? I know for Restoration Church, it was a great year of growth, but when we look at the national scene and the world scene, 2019 was really a confusing year filled with division and violence and often tragedies. If I hear about one more investigation, I think I'm going to just go crazy uh, because we had so many investigations. Uh, I don't know if we can investigate anymore or not. Uh, and then there were the riots in the streets and as the Bible said, wars and rumors of wars and instability. In fact, one person described, I read this, they said the word they thought would describe 2019 was just uncomfortable. Just, you know, feeling uncomfortable. But I'm so glad that we gather today as believers and we know something about the truth. And the truth is that the good news, I'm not talking about the news on Fox or CNN. I'm talking about this good news. The good news of the gospel and the majesty and lordship of Jesus Christ. The good news overcomes the bad news. Amen? And that's what we stand on today. In fact, it sort of reminds me of a little video. It's my favorite, one of my favorite videos. I showed this years ago when I preached on the series uh, on Psalm 23, but it speaks so strong and it's spoken by a sweet little girl, and I want you to remember this little video. Okay, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm looking at the camera while I'm doing the Bible verse. Okay, good. Why don't you look at the camera? Oh, okay. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be a one. He makes me lay down in green branches. He leads me quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guards me a path of righteousness for his name today. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know it will be your with me. Your rod and your staff they come me. Surely, surely, prepare a table before me and a prayer of my enemies. Now my head, you anoint my head with soil. Surely, my cup, my cup, okay, my cup overflows. Surely, yes, surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. goodness and love. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> well, she almost got it. It's not surely. It's surely. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us. Amen? I'm here so glad that as we go into 2020, we can say goodness and mercy are right beside me, and they're going to follow me all the way, all the way. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And uh, I, I want to share a message with you. This scripture is very common to us. But I hope to, to be able to bring some, some things out of it and unpack it a little bit in some ways that perhaps you haven't thought about. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. The message today is entitled, His Grace is Enough. His Grace is Enough. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Lord, we just pray your blessings on the word. I pray that you will just... Take us right now into your very presence and let us step into the anointing of God together. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Give us ears that are wide open and a heart that is receptive. And may the miraculous working of your grace be here right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My grace is sufficient for you. What a powerful message. On the last Sunday of the year in this decade, we can say without a doubt that whatever is ahead of us, whatever, and we don't know what's ahead of us, do we? Because we look at the future, we don't really know what's going to happen next year, but whatever happens, good or bad, I can promise you one thing, His grace will be enough. His grace will be, be enough. Will you say that with me? His grace will be enough. That's what the Lord said to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. And let me give you just a little bit of background about this letter. Because 2 Corinthians uh, is an unusual book. Paul wrote it uh, as his second letter. Some people actually think it was the fourth letter. But at least the second letter to the church at Corinth. Because there had come into the church 
a group of false teachers. And these false teachers were challenging the authority and the integrity of the Apostle Paul. Actually, they wanted to derail and destroy his leadership. Now, you talk about tough. Can you imagine being in charge of something and being the leader of a church and then somebody's coming in behind you and they're talking about you and giving accusations and accusing you and trying to tear down your integrity and saying, really, you're not an apostle of Jesus Christ. You shouldn't be leading the church. How many are glad today that God still speaks in tough times and Paul received a word in this tough season are you glad that God speaks in tough times I mean life isn't always easy sometimes people come against us sometimes life goes against the grain sometimes there are people that are just having problems and we've got to put up with them and learn how to deal with them so most of the letter is a warm letter and it's filled with Gratitude by Paul, and he, he thanks the, uh, Colossians, uh, the, the Christians in, uh, in Corinth for all their wonderful support. But when we get to chapters 10, 11, 12, and 13, Paul becomes very bold and very direct, and he defends his apostleship and his anointing. And he, in doing that, he became extremely authentic, very real. You know, I have found out in life that if you want to defend yourself, don't try to defend yourself with all your titles and, and all the things that are good about yourself. Get real. Be authentic. Actually, even be willing to talk about your weaknesses and your failures in life because God really blesses that. And that's what Paul did. He admitted in this letter that he was unimpressive when he came in person. The Apostle Paul said, I'm, I'm not very impressive, you know, I, I know that. And he also admitted that he wasn't the greatest speaker in the world. He wasn't a trained speaker like some of these false apostles were trained speakers. And Paul said, you know, I'm not the greatest speaker in the world. But then he detailed his persecutions in chapter 11. And he said, I am a servant of Christ, though. And he said, I've gone through some things. I've, I've gone through some beatings and hardships and imprisonments and shipwrecks and dangerous travels. I've, done, I've been through a lot carrying the gospel. I may not be a big person or anything, but I am a servant of Jesus Christ. Now we're coming into his authority. Your greatest authority is in your ability to serve Jesus Christ. That's where your authority is. It is in your ability to love people and to serve people. And if you're struggling, listen to me. If you're struggling this morning in some area in your life, I want to tell you that you are in good company because Paul struggled. The Apostle Paul that wrote a lot of the New Testament that we have today this man of God saw some of the greatest revelations that have ever been shown to man. He struggled with life. He struggled with difficulties. You say, I don't care how anointed you are or how close you are to God, you're going to still have things that you've got to overcome. You're going to still have challenges that you've got to get through. So let's, let's look at the whole 
text, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. He said, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming deceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, now Paul spoke about this debilitating problem. He called it a thorn in the flesh. Actually, the, the New Testament word that's used here can mean a stake or a sharpened wooden shaft. So he's talking about something very painful. He said, I've got this issue in my life, and it's so painful. It's like driving a wooden stake into myself. It, it is hard to deal with. And we don't know what the thorn really is. I mean, theologians have conjectured and speculated. Uh, and there are, if you read commentaries and go through the literature, you, there's some 30 different ideas that people think Paul went through. Everything from bad eyesight to gallstones to leprosy to malaria, fever. Some people say, well, it was an emotional struggle. And other people say, well, it was just, it was just spiritual. It was the persecution he was under. But whatever it was... It was exhausting. It was tiring. And more than that, catch this now. Satan used it to harass him. Satan used it to drive him into discouragement. To pull him back from ministry. Tried to push Paul down. Harassed him. And that word harass is such a vivid word. It means to strike with the fist. It means to have abusive torment. And so he was being abused by darkness. Every servant of Christ and every one of you has battled a thorn in the flesh. Uh, maybe you haven't identified it as a thorn in the flesh. It may be visible. It may be private. It may be physical. It may be emotional. It may be relational. It may be just spiritual. But we all have a weak place. Is there anybody that could be vulnerable enough right now to say, yeah, I know my weak place. Do you know your weak place? Places where Satan tries to hinder us and discourage us and take advantage of us. And you may call it your burden. You may call it your weakness. You may call it your challenge place. You may call it your growing point. You may call it your little issue in life. But whatever it is, you need God's help. You need grace. You need the strength of God to come into that place and help you, especially as you go into 2020. Paul said that he pleaded with the Lord three times for him to take it away. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect, or it's completed when you are in your weak place. It's interesting that the word in weakness, weakness is a medical word. Some of you doctors that are here, physicians may remember this word, asthenia. It means a incapacity and limitation when we are limited and incapacitated and feel like we don't have it. 
That's when the power of grace rushes in to strengthen us. Now, the Lord said that he was going to give him grace. And uh, I know, as I'm preaching this message, I bet it's already run through a lot of your minds. You say, well, wow, Paul must have been disappointed. I mean, he asked for this thing to be taken away, and the Lord says, I'm going to give you grace. He must have really been upset. He must have really been disappointed about that. But see, you don't understand what grace is. And I, because this was not a conciliatorial gift to him, it, this was not like, I'm going to give you a get-out-of-jail-free card. There you go. Not worth a lot, but there it is. No, this is like somebody giving you boardwalk and park place with, with hotels already on it. I mean, this is everything. This is huge if you understand what he meant by grace here. This is special grace. My grace is sufficient for you and 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 for you. You see... All grace is not the same. Grace was designed and engineered by God to meet our specific needs. So when God gives us grace, he doesn't just give us general grace. He gives us a grace that has been divinely engineered like an architect to meet our need in that moment. In fact, I can say this to you. You will never have a need that God doesn't have a special grace to cover it. Isn't that great? You'll never go through a crisis that God hasn't prepared ahead of time. A grace that will be absolutely perfect. That will come into that weak place and lift you up and boister your faith and encourage your heart. You know, there's grace that you haven't even experienced yet. You know, we see people going through problems and crises and, and we look at them and say, how are you getting through this? How are you holding together? I mean, how are you so joyful? The reason you don't understand it is because you're not experiencing the grace that they are experiencing. It was designed for them. Every crisis has a crisis grace that is waiting for you. And so as you go into this coming year, can I tell you that we don't have to dread the year? We don't have to be afraid of the year because the grace of God that is waiting for us is going to be sufficient. Would somebody say praise the Lord for his grace today? But what is grace? Oh, my goodness. You know, if I were to ask you, come on, tell me. A good definition for grace. How would you define grace? Somebody meets you and downtown Alpharetta this afternoon and say, hey, I need some help. Can, can you tell, explain to me what grace is? What would you say? Probably most of us would say something like, well, it's the unmerited favor of God, right? It's, how many would agree with that? Now you're a little afraid to raise your hand, aren't you? <laughs> the unmerited favor of God uh, or the it's a gift of God's mercy when we don't deserve it, right? And I, I want to tell you, that's a good definition. There, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that is absolutely true. I'm so thankful that God gave me his favor. 
and forgave me of my sins and I didn't have to work for it. I didn't have to get good enough for it. I didn't have to, you know, meet a, a whole long line of uh, prerequisites. The Lord just said, I'm going to give you my life as a free gift. You don't deserve it. But I'm going to pour out my favor and forgive you and write your name on the Lamb's book of life. And forever and forever you will be my son or my daughter. And you are my chosen one that I will love forever. Woo! Now that's grace. But that's not all that it means. As good as that is. See, there's, I told you there are special graces that are designed for special needs. And God designed that grace for salvation. But there's also grace that keeps us. And there's grace that gives us power. And that's what I want to talk about for the next couple of minutes. Because the word grace, as I was studying it, grace actually means the gift of power. If you look at the word grace, it's, it's the Greek word charis. And the reason I bring that up to you, I know you're not interested in the Greek, but the reason I bring it up to you is to, is to show you something. Because that is part of the word charisma. Or another word that maybe you've heard, charismatic. What do those words reference? Well, charisma is the word that is used to describe in 1 Corinthians 12 the spiritual gifts that are poured out on the church. Isn't that interesting? He was giving graces to the church. But they were gifts of power and ability. So he was giving dynamite power, dunamis, to every believer to be able to do something for the kingdom of God in a given moment. And it was called a charis. And those that are charismatic are those who walk through life believing in the spiritual power of the Holy Spirit and the giving of gifts to his people. How many are charismatic today? Raise up in. I'm very glad that you believe in the Holy Spirit today. Hallelujah. So grace is the gifting of power. It is enablement. It's not just God's good disposition toward us to give us mercy. It's God sending power to get us through something. It's God giving us that special ump to accomplish something. It's a supernatural moment of strength when you're you know, like in over your head, and all of a sudden God shows up and gives you some power, some strength. Let's say that, you know, you get a telephone call on Friday morning, and it's one of your cousins that lives up in, out in Missouri, and, and they got seven kids, and they say, you know, we're coming through Atlanta, and we just thought that we would drop in and spend three nights with you. And, uh, we, you know, don't worry about the kids. We'll put them on, on the floor and spread a pallet. And, but we just haven't seen y'all in a long time. And we just like, uh, like to just come in. So we'll be there tonight at 5 o'clock. You're like, whoa. You've been busy all week. You're in the middle of taking down Christmas decorations. There's stuff all over the floors. Everything's a mess. The beds aren't made. 
You don't have any food to cook. And while you're worrying about it, you hear a knock on the door. And you go to the door, and there's a nice-looking young lady standing there. And she's got this outfit on. She says, ma'am, I'm here to tell you that you have just won a special prize we have a maid service, and you've been selected for free maid service, and we got a van of 10 cleaners that would like to come in and clean your whole house top to bottom, and you say, please come right on in. And then while you're standing there, and they're in there cleaning every room, every, every little corner, getting everything ready, you hear another knock, and you open the door, and there's a guy in a chef outfit and he knocks on the door and said, I'm happy to inform you that you've just won some free meals and I've got a team of 10 chefs and we're going to come in and prepare food for the entire weekend for your family. And you say, please come right on in. Now, what do you call that? Grace. Specially designed for the moment because you need grace. I remember years ago, I made a mission trip to Ecuador, and one of the things they asked me to do when I got there, the missionary wanted to have an evangelistic meeting in the middle of Quito, which is the capital of Ecuador, and he wanted to set up a worship team, microphones, you couldn't do this here in our country, but right on the steps of a big government building in the middle of Quito. And he wanted to do it at the end of, the, of when people were going home from work in a, in a big business district of Quito. And I said, okay. And he said, I want you to preach the sermon. I said, what? I want you to preach. You want me? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't speak Spanish. I know. We're going to have an interpreter there, and, and you're going to speak through him. Okay, we'll do our best. And we set up, and I want to tell you something. I was scared to death. I, I don't mind telling you, I was nervous because, you know, it's not like I can have notes like this. I had to kind of just do it there in the moment. I got some thoughts together, and, you know, I had a Bible in my hand, and how can I get the attention of all these business people going by and they're just, you know, people, hundreds of people walking by. How can we stop them? So they got their attention with the music and all of a sudden they hand a microphone to me and, and this missionary, American missionary, thank the Lord for this American missionary because he spoke fluid Spanish and, and he knew me, understood my style and everything and we got into a sync and I'm telling you, the grace of God I'm going to tell you, the grace of God came down on that stage. And therefore, just about, you know, 20, 25 minutes, I felt like Billy Graham. <laughs> I looked down, and there was a guy in a full business suit with an attache under his arm standing right there in front of me, tears just streaming down his face. And when we made the altar call the end, we asked people to step forward to pray a sinner's prayer with us. That man stepped up to pray. And there were, I don't know how many people that accepted Christ that day. It wasn't because of Don Munn. I don't tell you that much. 
It was grace that came down in the moment. Special grace. He said, look at verse 9. He said, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, I boast all gladly of my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, Paul used that word rest on purpose because the Old Testament, and Paul knew this, it spoke about the Shekinah glory resting upon the tent of meeting and upon the tabernacle. And he uses this Hebrewic, Hebraic idiom and this language to describe how that the grace of God comes and rests upon us. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And all you need to do is open your life up to the grace of God. It's powerful. Did you know that 26 times Paul used the words, grace be unto you. And we think, oh, that's just a salutation. That's just, you know, an introduction. It's just the closing out of something he was saying. No, it wasn't. Because he understood grace is power. And he was really saying, let the power of God be upon you. Grace be unto you. Look at 2 Timothy 2.1. It'll be up here on the screen. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Strengthened by it. Acts 4.33. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great Grace was upon them all. What kind of grace do you need? It's ready. It's ready. Great grace is waiting for you if you just open up your heart. Grace to overcome an addiction. Grace to be successful in the workplace this year. Grace to get through a financial problem in your life. Grace to reconcile a relationship issue that you haven't been able to work out. Grace to be victorious over depression. Grace to protect you from the evil one who is coming against your life. Grace to grow and become what Christ wants you to become. Grace to make it in college. And go through all those pressures. Grace to heal a marriage. I don't care what it is. No wonder John Newton said. Through many dangers. Toils and snares. You know it. I have already come. Tis grace. He understood it. That brought me safe thus far. And grace. Will lead me home. So. When we come. To an understanding of grace. I think the next question to ask is, you know, well, how can I walk into it? How can I get there? And I just want to quickly, in closing, mention just two things. We could talk about a number of ways to walk the grace life. But let me just mention two things that I think are very important for you right now as we look into 2020. The first one is you've got to leave your junk in 2019 and not take it with you into 2020 now look you cannot experience the grace of God if you're burdened and laden down with junk and garbage 
Grace works by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of grace, and he gives us freedom, freedom. Uh, this is a burlap bag, and uh, you all have one, every one of you. Now, you don't remember it. I'm not talking about a physical burlap bag. I'm talking about the burlap kind of bag that's in your soul. It's itchy and scratchy. It's ugly, unsightly. It's not the kind of thing that you'd want to stick in your living room. That's for sure. But you've got one because you need it to carry your junk in. I'm, I'm talking about the rocks that you've collected. You, you really don't want them. You didn't ask for them. You didn't seek for them. But somehow they came into your life and you just started carrying them around. Like the rock of fear where you're just so afraid of life and what's going to happen in the future. You got that one. And you're having to carry it around. Or the rock of impurity. You know, there's just some stuff that keeps drawing your mind and your eyes. And, you know, you're dragging it around. Dragging it around. Or the rock of shame. You know, you know God forgave you, but you're just ashamed of some stuff in your life. And so you're dragging around shame and it makes you feel like you don't measure up and you're not quite as good as everybody else and everywhere you go that weight of shame is just always always there or the rock of addiction addicted to something something keeps screaming at you and you want to be free but right now it's just something that you're having to drag around or the rock of unforgiveness. That's a tough one because, you know, you want to forgive, but man, you just are so angry and feel like it, life is so unfair and, and it's just there in your heart and you haven't released it yet and it gets really heavy after a while. Or the rock of regrets. We regret so many things. The money we didn't save, the, the words that we said that we shouldn't have said. The opportunity that we lost, the things that we did that we, we know we shouldn't have done, the places we blew it, heavy regrets, or just depression, just I'm so tired of feeling sad, every day being gloomy, and it goes on and on. And on. We just keep collecting stuff, you know, and it's junk. We hear Pastor Chuck preach these great sermons, and we know that we should get rid of this stuff, but we keep collecting stuff through life. You know how it is? You just kind of, we don't get it at the foot of the cross, we don't release it, and it just gets more and more. And after a while, after a while, it gets exhausting to carry all of this 
garbage around. So I take it to work with me. And I make a commitment. I'm going to work so hard that I'll, I'll forget about this. And I do, man. I work hard and it works. But at the end of the day, I see it sitting there by my desk and, man, I got to pick that thing up and take it home with me. I lug it to the car and drag it all the way home. And the kids, man, they see it on me. They see it on my face. They see it in my actions. They know something's wrong because dad seems to be burdened down with something. I don't know what it is. And it sure gets in the way of my marriage because we don't have the closeness that we used to have because every time I go to bed, that's right between us. Try to get close to her, but that gets in the way. And then, so I decided to bring the church. I see bags all over the congregation. I sit down with it, and to be honest with you, it's hard for me to worship with that. Now, the good news, guys, is that we don't have to drag that into 2020. Can somebody raise your hand right now and say hallelujah? So how do we get rid of it? Let me give you just quick steps there on the screen. I'm not going to talk about these. I'm just going to run through them. First, first thing is please own it. Own it. Be honest. If you've got this bag of stuff, just be honest that you've got some weight that you need to get rid of. Own it. The second thing is with all your heart, you need to cry out to Jesus to forgive you if you failed him and to release you, to give you freedom. The Lord doesn't want you just to be forgiven. He wants you to be free. Free indeed. Thirdly, receive grace. Just like a gift. The Bible says the gift of God is grace. How do you receive a gift? If I were to give Rick something, he has to take his hands and receive it and bring it to himself. He can't push it away. The grace of God is stronger than this. The grace of God is power. He gives you the power to get over this and to leave it in this year. And sometimes you may need help to do this. You may not be able to do it all by yourself. And if you're in that place that this load has gotten so heavy that you need some, a prayer partner, a brother, a sister, a, a spiritual counselor, a pastor to help you, then we can stand in the, the authority of Christ and we can speak his power and strength over you. And you can be released. And then in his power, in the grace of God, move on. Come on, move on. Put it in your rearview mirror. Get it behind you. Look at this year as a year of freedom, as a year of victory. Donita is here today, and she told me the other day, this is my daughter, and she told me, said, Dad, my word this year is redeemed because I believe that God is redeeming some things that I've been struggling with 
with some physical issues and other things that I believe that God is redeeming this year. How many believes that God can redeem some things this coming year? Amen. That he can loose you and set you free. And then the last step is that you've got to guard the gates. When you get that out of your life, you've got to set up the guard that you will not let it come back. My grace is sufficient for you. Ephesians 4.22 said, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. Throw it off which is corrupted by lust and deception, and let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitude. Throw it off. Let the Holy Spirit give you grace. And finally, you've got to trust, as you go into 2020, you've got to trust the author of your story. If you want grace and you want to walk in grace, you've got to trust God. You've got to trust him with your life story, with what you're going through right now. To receive and live in grace, you've got to understand that he loves you. And you've got to trust his, his, uh, his writing of your life. Hebrews 12 said, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. There it is. And let us run with perseverance marked out for us and let us fix our eyes on Jesus listen to this the author and the perfecter or finisher of our faith your story is God's top priority you know the Lord he shapes galaxies and planets and that's not near as important as God shaping your life story that's what's important to God and believe me Hear me now, every twist and turn in your life, every hard moment, every difficult place, every disappointing moment, God is writing that into your story to bring his glory into your life, and he's going to finish it well. Trust him, because he works, he really works all things together for good. You're not finished yet. You know, we come to the book of Revelation, and, and John is nine years old, we think. And he thought life was over. He's, he's in a Roman prison camp on an island called Patmos. And by this time, he's probably feeling the aches and pains of being 90 and in a prison camp. And he thinks it's all over with. And suddenly, as he's worshiping one Sunday morning, Jesus shows up. And let me read to you the first thing that Jesus said to John. Do you know what it was? It's Revelation 1.8. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. What was he saying to John? He was saying, John, I am, in our alphabet, I am A to Z. Alpha Omega is in the Greek language, but ours would be A to Z. And he said, I am everything in between. Your whole story is in my hand. I'm writing it A to Z. And I have it all in my hand. And I'm not finished with you yet. 
because I'm going to give you the greatest revelation I've ever given. You're going to become a prophet at 90 years old. You've never been a prophet before, but now you're going to become a prophet. And John says, me? Really? That's when grace comes down. He's not finished with you. God has plans for this year. God wants to give you grace this year. As our musicians come, I want you to stand with me. My grace is sufficient for you. You know, I, I just recently heard on the radio an interview that James Dobson did. And he did it with a 29-year-old lady named Rebecca Gregory. Maybe you've heard of her. But in the Boston Marathon in April the 15th, 2013, she was standing with her small son watching the marathon and a bomb, remember? A bomb went off. There were two bombs and one of those went off right behind her. Knocked her to the ground, her and her son. Fortunately, her son was shielded by her body. Didn't have serious physical injuries. But when she woke up, she said there were bones and body parts and shrapnel and steel ball bearings all around her. And her leg was almost blown off. She was bleeding profusely. They rushed her to the hospital. And she told the story about this horrific scene. What she went through. How they had to remove over a hundred pieces of metal from her body how they did 17 different operations to try to save her leg and couldn't and after 17 operations they finally had to take it off and gave her a prosthesis leg she spoke about the pain of post-traumatic stress disorder how she went through sleepless nights and was afraid and crippled emotionally but then she said something that just grabbed me. I was in my car, I had the radio on, and it, it just grabbed me. She said, during this time, I was clinging, clinging to Jesus. Now she's recovered. And she recently ran in the Boston Marathon with, with her prosthesis leg. She has written a book called Taking My Life Back. And she is touring across America, speaking in churches and different places, talking about her faith and the hope that she has in Christ. And she and her husband started the Rebecca Angels Foundation to help children with PTSD. Her story has made a drastic turn from tragedy to triumph. Why? Grace. A special grace designed for her. God's grace is enough.